God's house today? Anybody excited to be at church? Listen, give somebody a high five, handshake, or a hug. Just let them know you're glad to see them here. Church, welcome. My name's Austin. I get the privilege to be the lead pastor here, and it is my privilege to say welcome. Welcome to church. Can you believe we get to do this? This is so awesome. I'm so thankful that you're here. If you haven't been here or if you, if you haven't heard, we're going through a series right now called The Name. Anybody enjoy last week? Um, man, I sure have. Studying through this and studying through uh, what the Lord or who the Lord is. Last week we looked at Yahweh. This week we're going to look at another name. Um, but before we look into that, let me pray and then we will we'll read. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 7 this morning. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you for your anointing here at Overcome Church and what you are doing through your Holy Spirit's power. That it's nothing that any man or woman can do here on stage or in the uh, pews or on any team or in any room, Lord. It's all because of your Holy Spirit and all because of what you're doing in and through the church here, the body of people, God. And it's just such a privilege to be a part, God. Thank you so much for the uh, opportunity and the privilege it is to serve um, serve you, God, with these beautiful and wonderful people. God, I pray your anointing on your word today. Lord, that you would be with us as we seek your face, God, and look into what uh, your word says about who you are and uh, how our relationship with you um, can be so much closer after today, Lord. I pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Read with me, 1 Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 2, the Bible says this, Time went by until 20 years had passed since the ark had been taken from Kareth Jerim. That's the best way I know how to pronounce it, don't judge me. Then the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. Anybody longing for the Lord this morning? Samuel told them, if you are returning to the Lord with all of your heart, get rid of the foreign gods and the Ashtroths. That are among you, dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship only Him. Then He will rescue you from the Philistines. So that the or so the Israelites removed the Baals and the Ashtaroths, uh, and only worshipped the Lord. And Samuel said, "Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf." 
And when they gathered at Mizpah, uh, they drew water and poured it out in the presence of the Lord. They gathered in the presence of the Lord. And they fasted that day and they confessed um, and they had fasted and confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the Israelites at Mizpah. Uh, when the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, uh, their rulers marched up toward Israel. And when the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And the Israelites said to Samuel, don't stop. Somebody say, don't stop. Oh, y'all ain't trying to help me preach today. Somebody say, don't stop. Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us so that he will save us from the Philistines. Then Samuel took a young lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord on behalf of Israel. And the Lord answered him. Oh, ain't that good. The Lord answered him. Samuel, um, Samuel was, in offering, or was offering the burnt offering. He was offering the burnt offering as the Philistines approached to fight against Israel. There's a message in that, but we won't preach that one today. The Lord thundered loudly. Mm. The Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines in that day and threw them into such confusion that they were defeated by Israel. And then the men of Israel charged out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, striking them down all the way to the place below Bethkar. And afterwards, Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shin, and he named it Ebenezer, explaining, the Lord has helped us to this point. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel's territory again. And the Lord's hand was against the Philistines all of Samuel's life. Today I want to talk about the name Jehovah. I want to talk about the name Jehovah. There is great significance in this name, Jehovah, in, uh, in direct, well, I won't get into that now, but I'll just mention, um, through direct definition, it looks exactly the same as Yahweh, but there's a difference. There's a distinction between Yahweh, which we studied last week, and Jehovah, the name in which we're studying this week. And I can't wait to share that distinction there because once I noticed or once uh, I read through, studied through, and realized the distinction between Yahweh, uh, a name reverenced to be so holy and, 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 and so great that uh, the, the Jewish culture won't even pronounce it, they won't even say it, not only uh, Yahweh, but Jehovah carries great significance as well. And so I can't wait to share that with you, but hang tight. Let's see what the Lord is saying through this verse of Scripture and how it will correlate to the name Jehovah. Look at verse 2 again. The Bible says, Time went by until 20 years had passed since the ark had been taken to Kerith Jerim. Jer Jer Jerim. Uh, then the whole house of Israel longed 
for the Lord. Is there anyone longing for the Lord in this place? I don't know about you, but I find myself longing for a close relationship with the Lord Jehovah. And hopefully by the end of today, you will have a new perspective on that name Jehovah and you will find yourself longing for the Lord. So they found themselves, the house of Israel, longing for the Lord. You know, a person can tell when something is missing internally. I look back and think through the times of serving in youth ministry and even serving sometimes when I needed to in children's ministry, though I didn't particularly enjoy hanging with the rugrats. They enjoyed hanging on me, and that worked out, so it was all good. But I always look back to that, um, that illustration that everybody uses. It's like the little toy that surely everyone has seen or experienced in some way where it has a star hole and a circle hole and a triangle hole and a square hole, and there may be other different shapes of holes, but uh, they're there, they're there, and, and then there's the pieces that would go through the hole. And you don't put the square through the star hole because it just is not going to work unless you break it. And so you don't do that. You put the square in the square hole and then you take the star and you put it in the star hole. And I think the same is, um, you know, we relate, us preachers, we relate that a lot with the Holy Spirit and the inner person. And I think a person can tell when something is missing internally. And we talked last week a lot about the natural response to a human being and your body through your emotion and through how God has designed you. Uh, that natural response to being in the presence of the Lord. Like when you get into the presence of the Lord, I don't know if you've experienced this yet or not. If you have, uh, it, it, you know what I'm talking about. There is nothing like being in the presence of of the Lord. It's such a freeing and liberating experience as you realize what you were uh, naturally created to do anyway as you begin to just break out. Anybody ever just broke out in worship, not caring with just tunnel vision, not caring about what anybody else has to say about what you look like or how you sound or the tears that flow down your face? You literally just with uh, 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 great excitement just break out in worship that's what we kind of talked about a little bit last week uh, regarding the natural response of a human when in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. We kind of mentioned the fact that we are wired for worship. Somebody say, wired for worship. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, for everything was created by him. In heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities, all things, somebody say all things, have been created through him and for him. And so if you didn't catch it, there's a few points I want you to make uh, note of in this uh, verse here, Colossians 1.16. By him, through him. And for him were all things created. We were created by him, through him, but especially for him. Everything was wired and created to worship or bring glory to the Lord. You look up to the heavenly hosts and we see the stars and the great lunar eclipse last Sunday. And last Sunday night if you stayed up long enough and the clouds participated, you were able to see something magnificent in the sky. And it's wondrous and we kind of talked a little bit about stars and, and uh, the cul-de-sac we call the Milky Way galaxy. And, and we talked a little bit about that last week. But man, when you look at that, you cannot help but to... Uh, relate to the verse of scripture that says the heavens declare the glory of our Lord. You cannot help 
sometimes, but to just marvel at God's creation as they exist just to glorify the Lord. And that is you as well. You are created magnificently. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully created. That's not just a verse of scripture for women's conferences. That's for Gary Patton as well. That's for Austin Kaiser as well. That's for Paul Diamond as well. That's for you as well. We are all in here fearfully and wonderfully created by the God of heaven and earth, Yahweh, the one we talked about last week. Amen? You are fearfully and wonderfully created. And the Bible says here, by him, through him, and for him, you were created. And once you've tasted what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord, man, once you've tasted what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord, like really in the presence, there's an old uh, preacher, I may have made mention of this, Sandra cracks up every time I talk about it. I can pull it up. I should, I should have had it. I should have just played that clip. I'll do that more. But there's an old preacher that was preaching a long, long time ago in, a, um, in one of those good old tent revivals, you know. Uh, and <laughs> uh, this, uh, the spirit of the Lord is just moving and, and everybody gets a little rowdy in the presence of the Lord. Those of you that think we're going to sit on puffy clouds in heaven, you got another thing coming. Because in the presence of the Lord, it gets a little rowdy. I'll tell you. And, um, and I like it that way, but this guy was preaching, he was an elder gentleman, and he started, I mean, he's just going after, it was back when hacking was popular, and he's just going after, he's like, I like these kind of services right here where the spirit gets so thick, you about need a CNI dog to walk around, and I'll tell you what, that's what I'm talking about. Once you've experienced what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord, that becomes the place to be, I'm telling you, that's the hopping place to be. The Israelites have been there, and no doubt they've been through plenty of ups and downs regarding their relationship with the Lord up to this point. If you know anything about the, context, uh, the context around the scripture we're reading today, the Israelites had uh, no doubt had plenty of ups and downs regarding their relationship with the Lord. But one thing was for sure, they had tasted the Lord's goodness. What does the word say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. I believe you can do that today if you wanted to. Um, the Israelites had no doubt tasted the Lord's goodness and knew, man, we just got to see that again. They realize in their state of sin, and, and, and if you read the first, you know, six chapters of First Samuel, it talks about how, um, you know, Samuel came into uh, the position that he was in. It talks about the birth of Samuel and how miraculous that was we could have preached a message on that and things like that but it, it also talks a lot about uh the turmoil that seems to always be happening with the israelites especially with the philistines the israelites and the philistines it just goes on for years and years and years and years and years and uh these israelites would find themselves in a moment of triumph uh triumph but then then fall and sin and get into this weird, mucky mess of sin and rebellion against God. But then they would, you know, cry out to the Lord. They'd find themselves in a moment of triumph again, not doing anything to produce the triumph. But for whatever reason, God in his love and grace and, and, and mercy just giving them the, uh, kind of giving them the, the flag for it. Like, I've done the work for you, but here's the, here's the trophy. Uh, and they find themselves in a moment of triumph. And then here you go again. They'll, they'll fail and they'll fall short. And here, Israelite. Uh, the Israelite nation was uh, definitely in a moment of sin and rebellion against the Lord. And they longed for the Lord. Psalm 121 verse 1, 2 says this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Church, I just want to say this in regards to those two verses. There is something special about realizing that your help truly comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen? Look at verse 6. The Bible says in verse 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 7, When they gathered at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out in the Lord's presence. And then they went on to do some other things. Notice what happened. They longed for the Lord, so they gathered in His presence. They longed for uh, communion and fellowship back with the Lord to see God move. There's a song that I love the most. And, and it talks about, I mean, the, my favorite part is, I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe you'll do it again. And the Israelites surely could have been singing this song as they sat and longed for the Lord. They said, God, I've seen you do wonders in our lives. We've seen you uh, release our ancestors from the uh, grip of the Egyptians. We've seen you move, and we've seen you move mountains. And God, we just want to see you do that again. And here, they gathered in the Lord's presence kind of what we're doing today they gathered in the lord's presence look at psalm chapter 46 verse 1 why would they run to the lord why would they find themselves longing for the lord and then decide to gather together in the lord's presence the bible says this in psalm chapter 46 verse 1 god is our refuge and strength he is a helper who is always found in times of trouble. I think they may have experienced that and known that. And, and, and so the first move after you know, figuring out, oh wait, we are in a pickle and we uh, need the sustainer of life. God in his glory and might, we need him. So they gathered, excuse me, in the Lord's presence because God is our refuge and strength. I don't know if you need to know this in this room today, but he is our refuge and strength. And not only that, as if that wasn't already significant enough, he is our refuge and strength, but he is totally accessible to you right now, right here. He is our refuge and strength who is always, somebody say always, not sometimes, not one day a year, not monthly, not bi-weekly. We don't do 15 or 30-day terms with the Lord. He is our refuge and strength. In other words, he is the place to whom we run when we are scared or being attacked or need shelter. That's what a refuge is. He's the place we run. Not only that, but he is our strength. And so he is our strong tower. He is our, um, he is our advantage over the enemy. Amen? He is our refuge and strength who is always available in our time of trouble. I don't know if you know this, but that's worth giving God some praise for. That's worth giving God the glory for. I don't know about you, but I got a testimony that would speak volumes to the fact that God has had to been, or had to be, I don't know if I said that right, had to be my refuge and strength in most cases in my life. I don't know if you've been there or not, but God has had to be my refuge and my strength. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from the mountains? No. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the maker of the mountains. When things get tough and times are hard and you don't 
Maybe you just, maybe things aren't tough or things aren't hard, but you just don't sense the presence of the Lord in your life. You know what you do? It's easy for whatever reason. I don't know why we don't do it, but I'll give you a, a key, what I found. Long for the Lord and gather in his presence. When things are tough, times get hard, and you don't sense the presence of the Lord in your life, what do you do? Put your face in the Bible. And I hate to sound harsh. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm going too fast. I have something I really want to show you at the end of this, and I really want to get to it. If you don't sense the Lord in your life, it's not that he has left you, but maybe it's that you have taken your focus off of what he's doing in your life. Put your face in the word of God and try to some, you know, some degree to seek the Lord's face. And pray like there is no tomorrow. I used to say to the students a lot through my years of being a student pastor, you, if you really want to engage in this relationship with God. You're not going to, you know, get that engaging relationship with the Lord. You know, you see some people, it seems like, man, they are close with the Lord. You could just tell. You're like, geez, they're close with the Lord. They got a badge in heaven, you know. They're close with the Lord. No, it's just that they read their Bible and they pray. You can't expect to be, or feel, you can't expect to feel as close to the Lord if you just sit on the couch like a potato and wait on the Lord to speak to you and wait on the Lord to do something in your life. Lord, I need a miracle. What in the world? Why do we do that? Lord, I'm seeking your face. I need you to move. I've seen you move before. I remember the testimony of how you've moved mountains and I want to see it again. Lord, speak to me. You want to know how the Lord speaks to you? You want to know how to communicate to the Lord? Pray. When things are tough and when things are hard, come on church, and you don't sense the presence of the Lord, it's not that he has left you, it's that you've turned your focus away from him. Put your face in that Bible and pray like there's no tomorrow. Look at verse 8 of our text there. 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 8. The Israelites said to Samuel, don't stop. Somebody say, don't stop. Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us so that he will save us from the Philistines. And that's the same as to what I would say to you about your own situation, your own circumstance. You find yourself in a moment of longing for the Lord. Come, gather in his presence. And I failed to mention this earlier, but this place is not a place for uh, good and well-established uh, church members, this is where we gather too, but this is a place for the sick, this is a place for the, uh, the sinful, this is a place for the people that need help, this is a place for the jacked up people, okay, this is a place where you should feel welcome to come and, and get under the Lord's uh, presence, and man, I don't know about you, but I didn't have my life figured out when I decided to give my life to the Lord, it was only until after I gave my life to the Lord that he began to mold and shape me, 
It was only then, remember the illustration from, uh, from last week, that he began to take the chisel and the hammer and mold and shape me. Now, no doubt, once the Lord has begun a work, he is faithful and just to complete it. That's what the word of God says. And so that doesn't mean come here, get saved, and leave. But what is our mission? To reach people through evangelism, but then discipleship and community. You don't just come as a jacked up individual, Lord save me, and then you get saved and God just, like that little sound that just happened. And then, and then there, you're good, and then you just leave, and, you're good, and you go get back on the couch, Lord do a miracle in my life. Type thing. That's not how that happens. It's not how it works. You stay and you are honed and you are shaped and you are emotioned and, and, and molded into what God wants you to be. And, and um, you know, that's what gathering in the Lord's presence will do. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. You compliment me. When we get together, you make me better. And that is the same for each individual, uh, individual in here. Don't look now, but that person that you're thinking right now in your head, like, I don't know how he could sharpen me. Get out of your head. Get out of your head. We sharpen each other. We make each other better. Don't forsake, or don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Even you, balcony, even though you're like a separate little situation up there. What's up? It's good to see you. A lot of hands up there. Thank you for being here. God is our refuge and our strength. The Israelites longed for the Lord, and so they gathered in the Lord's presence. The Israelites cried out. Don't stop crying out to the Lord. And I would say that to you, church. Don't stop. If you don't sense the Lord's presence in your life right now, don't stop. Persistent faith is a faith that shows that it means business. A lot of us are one and dones. We will uh, experience a trial or we will come face to face with a giant in our life and we are one and dones. We will pray about the situation and turn our back on it. And just whatever happens, happens. But for some reason I read in the word of God and that's not how things work most of the time. Most of the time, there is something called persistent faith in the lives of the people that I read about here in the Word of God. And I want to say to you today that persistent faith is a faith that shows that it means business. It's a faith that keeps coming back. It's a faith that does not stop. Somebody tell your neighbor, don't stop. They didn't believe you. Tell your neighbor, don't stop. Come on, church. Y'all going to have to help me preach this message. The Bible says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. What? Resist the devil. Somebody now, come on. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What? What? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You had no clue that you had the ability to say no. You had no clue you had the ability to just say no. Resist the devil. He'll turn his back and dip out. He ain't going to waste his time on you. But that causes you to need a persistent faith. If the enemy knows that you're a one and done Christian, if the enemy knows that you're just a, hey, um, Lord, 
I'm going through this. I don't know if you see me or not. Um, can you help me out? Amen. Yeah, the enemy's got you. He's got you. But it's those Christians. It's the believers in Jesus that don't stop. It's the ones that, no matter what the doctor says, I'm going to keep praying. Because I know my Lord has the final authority. It's the one that you just can't make ends meet. I'm going to keep praying because I know that my Lord will take care of who's his. It's the ones whose kids won't even give them the time of day. I'm going to keep praying because I know my God restores relationships. It's the ones whose marriages seem like there is um, no help. I'm going to keep praying. It's those, it's the ones persistent in faith that don't stop, yet just resist the enemy. Those are the ones that see God move in ridiculous ways. The Israelites are like, I, I've seen you move, God. I've seen you move mountains. Um, and I want to see it again. They longed for the Lord and they gathered in his presence. Church, write this down if you're writing anything down. Persistence. Persistence is the resistance. Persistence is the resistance. Stay persistent in the word of God and in prayer. If you really want to see move, or God move in your life, Draw close to him and he'll draw near to you and, and you'll notice him more powerful or uh, more evident in your life than you've ever noticed him ever before. I'll tell you, I'm in a moment in my uh, relationship with God where I think I'm the closest I've ever been with the Lord in, in church. I've been close with the Lord, I would say. But I think now, I, I, I think I'm the closest I've ever been to the Lord. And it's not because of anything that I've done other than the fact that I've just decided to draw near to the Lord. I've decided even on the mountaintop, Lord, I want to draw near to you because I have realized in my life that no amount of money, no job title, no uh, uh, nice predicament that we could put ourselves in will sustain us like the Lord will. Nothing will sustain you like the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. And so persistence is the resistance. Keep your, face in, or keep your face in that Bible and don't stop praying. Okay, I hung out way too long on that. I really still want to show you what I got at the end here. Verse 10, Samuel was offering the burnt offering uh, as, the Philistine, or as the Philistines approached to fight against Israel. And the Lord thundered loudly. Come on, somebody. The Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines that day and threw them into such confusion that they were defeated by Israel. Now, I could preach a message about the fact that Samuel was offering the burnt offering at the same time the Philistines are approaching the fight. There is a special, it takes a special kind of person to have enough faith to continue and don't stop. Somebody say, don't stop. 
It takes a special kind of faith to continue and, and, and not stop in the midst of this chaos when the waves are crashing into the boat and when things seem like the end is near. To not stop and to realize that I will keep my focus on the Lord. You know what? I'm going to get into it anyway. I said I wouldn't, but I'm going to get into it. You look at Peter, man. Peter did something extraordinary. We always look at the fact that Peter took his eyes off the Lord and put it on the storm and he sank. We always preach about that. But let's preach about the fact that he had enough faith to step out on the storm anyway with the focus on Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's people in this room that are so scared to death to step out on that, that storm because you know you might look away. But man, Peter stepped out with enough faith just to step on the water and a miraculous thing happened. He began to stand on the water, defeating all uh, laws of physics and everything involved with that. And he began to step towards, the Bible says he stepped towards Jesus on the water. And I'm sure it was loud and chaotic and things were crazy. And as a clash of thunder and lightning happened, the Bible says that Peter looked and took his focus off the Lord. And what happened? He began to sink. And the Bible says that, and I wish I would have brought it up, but I didn't plan to preach this message. The Bible says that no sooner than he sank, as he began to cry, Lord, help me, and lift his hand, he was snatched up by Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. For Samuel to be in the middle of an offering to the Lord as the Philistines are coming in and invading to defeat the Israelites, that is significant. And I knew I, I, I didn't want to get into all this. We could have saved it for another series, but listen, y'all. The faith it takes, this isn't, we're not talking about uh, fortified uh, encampments of the military. We're talking about a real uh, nation that wonders, that doesn't have a king yet. Uh, a nation that is um, just out there and vulnerable. The only refuge they have is the Lord, right? They didn't even have an established temple. They had a tent of meeting. A tent that an army can bulldoze over. Listen, y'all, the persistence is the resistance. Staying persistent in your faith, staying locked in, focused to the Lord on your life as chaos abounds. Man, and the Bible says, and I'll just move forward, I need to move forward. Um, the Lord thundered loudly. We talked about the sounds of the Lord last week a little bit how when the Lord speaks it's like thunder and he thundered loudly against the Philistines that day and threw them into a confusion the Bible says and that they were defeated by Israel the Lord thundered loudly listen to Job's description of God's mighty hand Job chapter 26 verse 2 the Bible says oh how you have helped the powerless and delivered the arm that is weak how you have counseled the unwise and abundantly provided insight. With whom did you speak these words? Whose breath came out of your mouth? The, uh, the departed spirits tremble beneath the waters and all that inhabit them. Sheol is naked before God and uh, uh, Abaddon 
has no covering. Abaddon, Abaddon. He stretches the northern skies over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps up the water in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst beneath its weight. He obscures the view of his throne, spreading his cloud over it. He laid out the horizon on the surface of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars that hold up the sky tremble, astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stirred the sea, and by his understanding, he crushed Rahab. By his breath, the heavens gained their beauty, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. And I wanted to read all that to get to this. These are but the fringes of his ways. In other words, that, that does not even scratch the surface of the magnitude of his mighty hand. These are just the fringes of his ways. How faint is the word we hear of him. Who can understand his mighty thunder? The Lord thundered loudly. Who can understand his mighty thunder? He answered their prayers that day. Anybody ever experienced an answered prayer? Me too. Verse 12, afterwards Samuel took a stone, and this is what I wanted to show you. Said all that to, to, to get to this right here. Verse 12, afterwards Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shin. And he named it Ebenezer, explaining, the Lord has helped us to this point. You know, I've seen a lot of Baptist churches called Ebenezer Baptist Church. And I've always passed by them and thought, me too. Who named this church? Ebenezer. Sounds like, the only Ebenezer I knew was Scrooge. That's the only Ebenezer I knew. Listen. <laughs> afterward, Samuel took a stone like, and, and notice that afterward carries a lot of weight here. Afterward, after the Israelites realized that they were lost in their trespasses and sins and without the Lord, they longed for the Lord, and then they gathered in his presence, and, and as they begin to pray because the opposition from the Philistines were coming in so heavily that they were sure to die, after they begin to continue and pray and, and not stop, somebody say, don't stop, as they never stopped seeking the face of the Lord in the midst of their chaos, in the midst of their trial, just longing for the Lord. After this, after the Lord had thundered loudly and the Philistines were defeated, afterwards Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shin and named it Ebenezer, explaining the Lord has helped us to this point. I looked up what the heck an Ebenezer stone is. No doubt I've read through this probably a couple times now and never stopped to think of what an Ebenezer is. And an Ebenezer is literally a stone that is... It, it, an Ebenezer means a stone of help. And here an Ebenezer or a stone of help was erected to tell the testimony of how the Lord had been with and helped the Israelites. Now I want to give you this verse here and I like it better out of the KJV. Don't judge me. I didn't put it up there out of the KJV, but just listen. We've said this before. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Church, it is monumental. 
It is monumental when we can rejoice at the fact that you have a few Ebenezers in your life. Now, I don't know if anybody in here has an Ebenezer or two, but anyone in here... Anyone in here who has places in their life that you can go back and recall exactly how God has brought you through, that is monumental. Now let's do a word study. And Ben, you can come up here because I'm about through. Let's do a word study real quick. You're like, Austin, what does all this have to do with the name Jehovah? Somebody say Jehovah. All right, church. I wanted to get here. Let's do a word study. Jehovah. Literally means the exact same thing as Yahweh. Yahweh, we know from our study last week, means Lord. Jehovah means Lord as well. So what is the distinction there? The reason there is a distinction between Jehovah and Yahweh is that Jehovah means Lord with a context. Now, I don't know if you're getting this with me, but everyone has a bit of a story. And if you're in this room, maybe you've been down the road a few miles and you have a story. Church, I got a story. God, the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth from whom my help comes from, he is the God with a context in my life. He is the God of creation and the God of my present and so the word Jehovah means Lord with a context that's the only distinguish or distinct distinction between Yahweh and Jehovah they both mean the same thing except for the fact that Jehovah is a different pronunciation the word Lord for the sake of the context that follows the name Jehovah and so you may have heard these names before Jehovah Jireh or the Lord that will provide Jehovah Shalom, the Lord with the context, the Lord that brings peace. Jehovah uh, Sabbath, the Lord of hosts or the Lord, the creator of the stars in heaven and earth. Or maybe you've heard Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who is my banner. I love that name. I, 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 the Lord is my banner. I, I love that. I, I think of my life. And hopefully you do too. Uh, Hopefully by the end of my life, it will be only a testimony of a man that just lifted a banner that said Jesus all of his life. Jehovah Nisi, uh, the Lord who is my banner. Jehovah Ra, uh, the Lord, my shepherd, the one who takes care of me and helps me along. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Anybody ever experienced any healing in this place? I know you're tired and ready for lunch, but let me, uh, let me finish right quick. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. And Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there or that very present help in your time of need. Now church, that is significant and it is monumental to rejoice at the fact that you have a few Ebenezers in your life. I think this church in and of itself will ultimately become an Ebenezer in my life. As I look back through the years, I will look at this building and I will look at you beautiful people and I will remember the time that the Lord has helped. I will remember a time of such chaos and such destruction and such whirlwind, but then a moment where the Lord thundered loudly and he helped Overcome Church is an Ebenezer in the life of Austin and Sandra Kaiser. The word Jehovah is Lord with a context. And I said all that to say this, that the Lord is not just some old man high and lifted up on a throne. Some scary old man that 
with lightning bolts waits to strike you down because of your sin. Or is counting with check marks, oh, did that, oh, he did that, oh, he did that, oh, he did that, oh, he sinned again, or oh, he said that, or oh, she did that, oh, she said that. The Lord is not some scary old man on a throne with lightning bolts ready to strike you down, yet the Bible depicts him as a God who loves you and cares for you and only wants the best for you. And he is our Lord. He is Jehovah with a context. He is Lord with a context in our life. The very fact that he even cares to have a context regarding us in our life is something worth praising him for. The fact that he even cares enough to be Lord with a context in the life of you. That is monumental. That is worth giving him glory and praise for. That is worth devoting your life to him for. So I don't know. Listen. It's time for me to be quiet. But I don't know um, if you knew just how close the Lord wanted to be with you. Maybe you didn't know that uh, he stands with arms open wide. Just to, just to have a relationship with you. There's a context regarding the Lord in your life, and I don't know how that story's gone so far, but I know how the story can go. I know that uh, sinners lost in their trespasses and sins can bow before the throne of grace to find help in their time of need, and they can come up brand spanking new, wiped clean by the blood of Jesus. I know that people whose marriages are failing right now can bow at the feet of Jesus and come up with a new perspective and with some direction. I know that people who think that the world may end tomorrow in their life can bow at the feet of Jesus and find direction and find help in their time of need. I know that the Lord is our refuge, but he is also our strength. And so as we run to him, we can also then afterwards stand boldly with the confidence that the Lord will help us and guide us through. Now church, I don't know what you're going through, but there's bound to be a couple storms raising in this room. There's bound to be a couple lives who are longing for the Lord in this room. And maybe I've been lengthy, maybe I've bored you to death today, but the fact that God even desires to have a context regarding Austin Kaiser or regarding you in this room means the world to me. And so now I know I can run to him and the Lord desires that relationship with me. I don't know if you're in here and you just haven't been close with the Lord here lately or you feel as if he's been afar off. Hey, step number one could be to step up from where you are right now. Bow at an altar similar to this one or you can, if you're, if you're just too scared to do that, you can bow at the altar of your heart and you can say, Lord, I am uh, stepping into your presence. I want to gather in your presence, Lord. There's no doubt you've been in the presence of the Lord here. The Spirit of God is in this place. The one who is the maker of heaven and earth, he is here in this place. Now seek his face, church. Come to the altar and bow before a holy God who is not only high and lifted up, who is holy and who is declared holy, even if you don't worship him, who rocks cry out and worship to him. Not only is he so holy, but yet for whatever reason, desires the context regarding you today. Come and bow before the throne of grace to find help in time of need, church. I love you.